becoming a healthy, high-functioning person who is fulfilling the dreams that you've had for your life the whole time cannot happen alone. Yes. And it cannot happen if we're using substances or sex or shopping or food to stay out of touch with ourselves. Mm-hmm. So it, it really requires that level of honesty and support. So the, for me, because I, my therapist who helped me diagnose my alcoholism suggested I go to AA because in 1986, when I got sober, and by the grace of God, haven't had a drink since, yeah, thank and, God. <laughs> and I met my fourth husband a year yeah. after sober, and we've been happily married for 31 years. Uh, <laughs> there we go. This book is for you if your mind automatically tunes into the worry and fear channel. If you're suffering from worry about relationship difficulties, family issues, excessive eating, overworking, ongoing pain, illness, financial woes, addictions, or damaging anger. If you want to escape your stressful thoughts about the future or regrets from the past, or if you're seeking freedom from depression, a general sense of discontent, or a feeling of low self-worth. Up until now, you may have been trying to change these damaging patterns with the same old frustrating results. The good news is, you don't have to be a prisoner of your worries, no matter what's going on in your life. A lifelong struggle with my own worries prompted my search for solutions that work. This book shares what I've learned from my training in psychology, as well as over 30 years applying tools from recovery programs, cognitive therapy, energy work, scientific literature, and a variety of spiritual teachings. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to our Sober Superhero segment where we honor people in recovery who has over 30 years pioneering in the recovery field. Today's special guest is the amazing Gigi Langer, PhD. Gigi Langer is the author of the award-winning book, 50 Ways to Worry Less Now, Reject Negative Thinking to Find Peace, Clarity, and Connection. Gigi Langa has overcome her own negative thoughts and worries to heal her relationship difficulties, chronic pain, codependence, overwork, fear of failure, and the effects of abuse. Gigi holds a PhD in psychological studies and education and a master's in psychology, both from Stanford University. As a college professor, Gigi won several awards for her teaching and writing. She has written six books and hundreds of articles on personal and professional growth. Through her work with individuals and groups, Langer helps thousands of people improve their lives at home and at work. As a person in recovery, she hasn't had a drug or drink for over 30 years. 
She lives happily in Michigan with her husband, Peter, and her cat, Murphy. A sought-after speaker and retreat leader, Gigi Langa has helped thousands of people improve their lives at home and at work. And we are so excited to have Gigi Langa on the podcast today. Ladies and gentlemen, this is a real esteem honor for me. I really admire Dr. Langa so much and... Her book is absolutely incredible. So ladies and gentlemen, I'm so proud that the Sober is Dope podcast got to a point where we could bring these high level guests on who have so much, so much wisdom to share with us. And I want to bring this to you. So I hope you enjoy it. And please, with no further ado, Enjoy my great conversation with Gigi Langa, PhD. I love you all. Enjoy. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Sober is Dope podcast. I'm your host, Pop Buchanan. And today we have another Sober is Dope superhero on the podcast. <laughs> this is an episode for the elite of the elites in the recovery community, people who's been giving back for over 30 years. Our special guest today is a pioneer in the industry of recovery. And I'm, we're very excited to introduce Dr. Gigi Langer. PhD. Um, and Dr. Langa is the author of the book, 50 Ways to Worry Less Now and Reject Negative Thinking. Doc, thank you for being here today. <laughs> oh, God bless. And, um, and thank you very much. Welcome to the podcast. How, how's everything in your, in your world today? Great, great. I'm so glad to be here, Pop. Nice thank to you. meet you. I'm glad thank I can you. see. I'm glad I can see your face, and we can communicate this way. It's really nice. Yes, yes. So, Doc, yeah. in in my world, and I want to get right into it because sure. your expertise in the field of stress and anxiety is so important, and this is why for me, I was born with some somewhat of a nervous condition. I got it from my mother, and I tend to worry a lot. I I at 15 years old, I had partial graying in my hair. Now, I mean, obviously I'm bald, but I'm pretty much fully gray. And I had to really learn and implement many steps in my life to mitigate the stress response, fear, anxiety, and that negative program. So your work is very influential. So I just, and I think in my case, that had a lot to do with my addiction. So today I'm seven years sober from alcohol and thank you so much. And for me, for, in order for my sobriety to be successful, I had to learn how to deal with my stress and my worry. So I'm very excited to talk to you about that today. And I just want to start out with a simple question, stress, anxiety, and fear, and its connection to alcohol. What does that mean to you? Well, I, I agree with you that I think you know, people who are tightly strung, tightly wound like we are, and um, really do seek a way out of the sensitivity, the super sensitivity to the world and the worry and the, I got to do better. And so 
You know, I was very much into an achievement mode. My coping mechanism for feeling not so great about myself was to try to achieve and do well and so on. And I grew up the youngest in, a, in an alcoholic home where my dad was high functioning, but my mom was worried all the time. Yes. So, um, and I also think a key part of it is personality factor, which of course prone being prone to anxiety is one, but also the highly sensitive person. Some people now are calling it empath, but I think mm -hmm. they're slightly different. There's okay. uh, just wonderful research by this woman, Eileen Aram, and I'll give you the link to put on the show notes, on the highly sensitive person. And she has a book about it and uh, a great website and so on. But when I read that, it was like, oh my gosh, no wonder I had trouble coping with all the crazy, the, all the, you know, the chaos, yes. the sounds, the loud noises, the social, um, so highly sensitive people need to take time for ourselves. We, we feel everything a lot more than a lot yes. of people. Correct. And so I think that contributes to addiction also and the worry factor. Yes. Yeah. It's very stressful. It is very yeah. stressful. So we know that there's a stress response. It's a part of our brain, the amygdala, that yeah. deals with the stress response and how we process threats to our in our environment. And there's a real problem today where that stress response or what they call a parasympathetic response, right, tends to stay on. So we are in a heightened state of stress and worry all the time. And, and, and for most people that creates somewhat of an autoimmune issue when it comes to disease and a lot of other issues, because if you're always in a stress response, your body and your cells tend to stay in a restricted state. They tend to be tight and rigid. So it's very important, especially when we look at things like the longevity effect on how to live a longer life, a healthier life to deal with stress head on. And in your book, you have 50 tools to help people deal with worry. Now, I know it may be a lengthy process to go through all 50. Can you talk about a few top tools that you use to help with worry and stress? Sure. Yeah. Um, well, when I first got sober and I stopped drinking and stopped, you know, sexing and promiscuity and all that, I realized that I still had a real thinking problem. Yes. And um you know, in the old days, one of the say slogans was don't think, don't drink and go to meetings. Oh, I mean, they recognized okay. that we had a thinking problem, all Correct. of us. You know, Correct. when you look at the steps, they're designed yes. to help with a thinking problem. Um, and you're right about the, um, the whole uh, cortisol and, you know, all the stress response. It's all, I also, what I tried to do, well, first of all, all the things in the book are things I discovered on my own because of a situation, whether yes. it was chronic pain or something else. So I kind of tell the story of what I was dealing with and then what tools I learned to deal with it. And I show just a little bit of the research so that people know these are not just flighty ideas. Yes. <laughs> some of them are spiritual. Yes. Um, some are uh, energetic, energy yes. work, the tapping and yes. some of the other Okay. And then um, there are also the cognitive restructuring or the ones from neuroscience. Yes. Because what's also true is that those brain pathways get 
dug in deeper and deeper, the more negativity. Yes, yes, absolutely. Yeah, and so it takes reprogramming, literally. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> and, um, you know, I mean, the simplest thing that people might be um, familiar with, I, the book is very familiar among, uh, very popular among people in recovery, but I also wrote it for the everyday person because there are so many things we've had a chance to learn in recovery Yes. that a lot of people don't know about. So one of them is what many people have heard of um, called the golden key. Yes. When my brain is stuck in one path and I can step back and notice that my brain is worrying and be separate from my brain and watch it and then make a choice, I'm going to ask my brain to think about something different. Mm-hmm. And I have the power to do that. Yes. It's a great use of self-will or willpower. I'm going to learn how to know what my brain's doing, and I'm going to learn how to switch it into a path that's a more comfortable, positive path. So the original golden key was was designed for people with a more spiritual approach. And so whenever you were worrying, the guy who developed it, Emmett Fox, would say, think about God and think of as many synonyms or other names for God as you could. So it kind of kept your brain occupied trying to think of all these different names for God. But of course, we know that our brain's default is worry. So even though we would try to focus on God, it would go back to the worry. And then we we just very gently say, oh, there I am worrying again. Again, let me go back to my positive thought. Mm -hmm. So I I modified it a little bit in the book to give you... um, any phrase that you want to repeat over and over again, yes. Um, like all is well, yes. Okay. Or this is in perfect order, even though it doesn't look like it, and my mind's worried. Everything is in perfect order. Yes. Right now, I'm perfectly fine. Yes. Those kinds of thoughts. Gratitude list. People can instead yes. of worrying, make a gratitude list. Recite the Serenity Prayer. But Beautiful. the point is, it takes practice because first we have to be aware of what we're thinking. Yes. And then we need to make the choice to change it. And then we have to notice when we went back to worrying and then make the choice again. So I love that. I love that. And we do talk about the malleon in the brain and these brain pathways and how they have these grooves that develop from comfortable behavior patterns or our default behavior patterns and our default programming. So so one of the things is our programming, our subconscious programming for when we grew up in our environment, maybe our household for, pe- for people that's um, ch- um, adults of children, children of adult alcoholics um, tend to grow up in the, with, with a sense of stress and worry and pre- uh, predisposed to probably addiction because they grew up in this high intense environment and that deals with their programming having um, maybe a parent or someone always telling you something negative or you're never going to mount to anything or you and it, and that kind of like stressful environment. Um, so in your experience, do, do, do you have any, did you ever have to do any work with any children of adult alcoholics or do you see that connection between growing up maybe in an alcoholic or drug household and that leading to chronic stress and chronic anxiety? Oh yeah. Because you can look at, um, 
you know, after I did my first inventory and worked with the alcoholism and the negative self-esteem, yes. the next layer, because we heal in layers, right? Yes, like yes. the onion. So the next layer was the dysfunctional family. And I actually went to adult children of alcoholic family uh, meetings, 12-step meetings. Yes. And that was before they had their own big book and so on for ACA. Okay. Oh, but it okay. was... Um, and it was so helpful because it has a list of the characteristics which I deal with in the book of, you know, crash and burn relationships, codependence, perfectionism, difficulty with, you know, friendships, blah, blah, blah. Yes. And I looked at the list and I just about died. I thought there's, you know, it was, but then I was sitting at the tables with people who were talking about how they overcame those tendencies that people from alcoholic homes have. And that gave me hope. And then with therapy and the 12 steps and all the work I did in recovery, I, I learned to overcome that. Beautiful. One thing yeah. that really intrigues me about your work is that it takes into account many different avenues. It has the spirituality, it has mm -hmm. science, it has the therapy. You talked about um, um, like structural um cbt cognitive behavioral therapy and brain restructuring tapping um i learned about tapping which was interesting when i was um studying reprogramming under dr bruce lipton i'm not sure if oh, you've yeah, yeah i love dr bruce and he would say when you're doing energy medicine and you're saying you're repeating to yourself positive affirmations and you have to tap in certain points where it will help that absorb the thing that most people leave out most of the time in these health self-help avenues or maybe scientific mediums is God. And I, God was instrumental in my story for anyone who is family of sober is dope. They know I had to like let go of all my fears and worry, get down on my knees in the middle of the street and just say, I'm done. I'm powerless. I'm really, and I really understood what it meant to be powerless. Like I just done and I gave my life back to God. Right. And that's mm -hmm. when the healing started. Can you talk about how God worked in your life through your recovery part of your origin story and um you did mention a little bit of the um um the course in miracles um can yeah. you tell us a little bit about god how he worked in your life and also the course in miracles sure well when i got to the program and they were i was cringing even when they said the lord's prayer because i had tried to become a christian a few times and it felt um I mean, I, I just couldn't do it. You know, I couldn't yeah. turn my life over. I was still experimenting with sex and men. You know, yes. I couldn't do it. Yeah. Um, but when I got to the program, I, I really was pretty skeptical. Um, but I, I met some people. I think one of the miracles of the program, because it, I, whether people really dig into the spirituality or think of it in a way that works for them, that's something still bigger than fear. Yes, absolutely. They don't, but they don't like to think about it as spirituality, you know, but yes. they know it's something bigger than fear that's helping. Um, for, for me, since I didn't have any of that spiritual background or faith, what really got me was the evidence in the, especially the women in the rooms who saw the light in me and responded as if I was a whole innocent, lovable, wonderful person. They didn't hold any of my background or my mistakes against mm -hmm. me. Mm -hmm. And 
and sometimes I hear my friends talk about that we are for each other. We are God in skin. I love that. And so that love without any strings from other women was really my first, I didn't call it God, but it was my first spiritual experience because it, it was bigger than my fear and my disease and it mm -hmm. helped me get sober. Then I ran into some people who took me to a unity church, not Unitarian, but unity church. Yes. It's very pop popular with recovering people. Yes. And, and they were very into A Course in Miracles, which is a very spiritual program. But at the beginning, I thought it was cooler than the real religious sounding stuff. <laughs> okay, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I mean, it's interesting. But I, and I still study that. And I, and I, I have a very eclectic spiritual practice. Um, I think meditation is a key, yes. really. Um, you wanted me to say something more about the Course in Miracles. A Course in Miracles. No, that's fine. I know, okay. but I, no, meditation yeah. is absolutely a hundred percent in line. So let's talk yeah. about that a little. Okay, bit. good. And again, you know, anybody interested in a Course in Miracles can. I think the best way to start is reading Marianne Williamson's book called A Return to Love. Okay. That gives you a wonderful entree into that whole way of looking at things. But Thank you. it basically helps me overcome fear. I love it. Um, so meditation. Yes. Okay. If one of our key coping mechanisms is noticing what our mind is thinking so that we can make a choice about what it's focusing on, then um, meditation is one of the best ways to train ourselves to notice what our mind is doing. Yes. Because what it, and, and I've heard so many people say, oh, I can't meditate because I can't make, I can't empty my mind and get to that place where good meditators get because I can't make my mind think of nothing. Well, the people I've worked with say that is not the point. Yes. That, yep. that is not the point. They call it a practice because we're practicing noticing where our mind is and choosing where we want it to be. Right. So if we choose, I'm going to focus on my breathing, which is a very common thing. Mm -hmm. um, I, use, I went through a course in mindfulness-based stress reduction, nice. which is by John Kabat-Zinn out of the University of Massachusetts Medical Center. And it's a meditation course, you know, it's eight week thing that they designed for people who had stress and chronic pain and were a mess, you know. Sounds but interesting. They, what my teachers told me was the more often you have to redirect your mind, that is a victory because you noticed that it needed to be redirected. Yes. So yes. the point isn't to never have to redirect your mind, you know, for it or correct it it's it's practicing noticing and then choosing yes what what in my experience the most beautiful part of meditation and i studied um my younger brother shalom melchizedek shout him out he's an expert in meditation and um he has a big following online and he studies so much and when i was younger i was also always into it i didn't get successful until i really understood fundamentally that the best part of meditation is the crazy thoughts, calming down the monkey mind. And what I mean by that is when you're sitting there and you're in your silence and you're doing, whether it's your mantra or you're doing, you're practicing on your intentional breathing, 
to sit back and notice the thoughts that come to you without no judgment, non-judgment of the thoughts that's coming to you. Mm -hmm. They could be crazy. They could be something out of a dream. They could just be the most bizarre things. I used to meditate and see giraffes selling newspapers and all type of stuff, right? But the point was, eventually, that's just the initial stage of your brain calming down. So when your mind, I mean, your mind, so when your mind is calming down and relaxing, eventually it will quiet itself. Initially, you'll start to see all of these things. And the point was to sit there in a non-judgmental, silent state and to be aware of these thoughts. Let them pass. Get familiar with yourself in a quiet state and eventually it's silence. And then you hit that state where good meditators go, right? That fader, that fader brain state. And yeah. so I encourage anyone who's um, a good book that I recommend to everyone to bring you into meditation um, is Light Watkins' new book, Bliss More. Excellent Ooh. book. Check it out. What he I does will. is he's an expert. He studied in Transcendental. He studied under the Vedic's um, meditation, the same principles as Paramahansa Yogananda and, and our friends over there. But he brings it back to earth for us and lets us know you don't have to sit in lotus position. Yeah. You don't have to say a mantra if you don't have to. You don't have, it's all of these myths that need to be broken to bring meditation to the masses. So the Sober's Dope podcast is definitely invested in breaking the stigma of meditation in a way that mm -hmm. like the negative associations people have with it. So I'm yeah. so happy that you incorporate that. I did want to add that um, for many of us, guided meditations yes, it's are especially learning to meditate if yes. we're feeling unsuccessful yes. with the more traditional meditation or mindfulness or breathing meditation, you know, because um, have you heard of Rick Hansen, the Buddha I, brain? Yeah. I, yes. Yes, I have. Well, so it, you know, it's a guided meditation is like a twofer <laughs> because yes, yes. we're getting settled down and we're getting almost like a self-hypnosis, a reframing Yes. of our negative thoughts That's with right. positive ones. So I, I really like the um, app called Insight Timer. Insight, Insight Timer. Insight right. Timer. It started out just as a timer for people who were doing silent meditation. Yes. And then they got all these people, Tara Brock and a lot of other people yeah. who have guided meditations. Yes. It's very cool. I love it. Tara Brock. That's our friend for Radical Honesty, right? Yeah, yeah, there yeah, we go. Yeah, yeah that's what's yeah. that. I'm gonna check that out. Um, Good. so one thing that you mentioned, I, I love this, right? And I want you to kind of explain this to us. When you initially found your sobriety, you was talking about dealing with a two two weeks dealing with fear, right? Sitting with your fear for two weeks and that leading to eventually uh um gaining courage. You went into gain courage mode, right? Mm -hmm. So when, what does that mean when you say sitting with the fear for two weeks? Is that part of the awareness process? Well, I don't know if it was two weeks exactly. Okay. But what, um, when I first got sober, I was already emotionally a wreck. I, I was in my third, you know, looking at my third divorce. I couldn't get relationships to work. I was in my late 30s, you know, and the picket fence and the two children and the classic, you know, dream was not happening. Okay. So I um, was very, very discouraged. Um, but the fear thing was right after I got sober, I think it was a year, within a year, I hurt my back really badly. I slipped and I pulled a disc and I couldn't sit for a long time. I had chronic pain. 
for the first time in my life. I had always been kind of a jock, you know, and now I was, and that was the pain that I was referring to in the book where I discovered this gal named Pema Chodron. Okay. And her name, P-E-M-A-C-H-O-D-R-O-N. She's um, Canadian, but she speaks just like we do. Yeah. And okay. she's a um, Buddhist nun with a wicked sense of humor. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> and uh, someone told me about one of her CDs called um, Good Medicine. But okay. she, one of her best books is um, When Everything Falls Apart. Oh, yes, yes, that's a big one, right? Okay. Because that's what I felt like. I had to yeah. give up drinking. I still wasn't having great, you know, I was in the, my third divorce by this time, and I had chronic pain and couldn't do any of my things that I normally did. Mm-hmm. And um, so her recommendation was to sit with the pain mm. and be okay with it rather than letting the mind judge. And you might have noticed that I... Uh, the theme in the book is these whispered lies, which are the negative self-statements we give ourselves. So I would be in pain and I'd go, oh my God, it's getting worse. And I'm sitting in the wrong way. And oh my God, it's never going to get better. And those are all the whispered lies that my, it's the committee that's so helpful in our heads tells yes. us. <laughs> yeah. And so what she was saying was to sit with it and observe it and, and make friends with it which was completely the opposite of what mm. I wanted. And, um, and that technique really did help me slow down because you were talking about, you know, chronic pain often is a result of oxygen deprivation in the tissues because of stress and the, mm. the system shuts down the blood, wow. blood flow. Yes. That's why when you get up from sitting for a long time, you might feel a little stiff or sore, you know, because the blood hasn't been going through there. Yes. So I reframed it as, oh, I just need to change. You know, I'm in pain. I just need to change my position to get more blood going through there. Mm. Instead of, oh, my God, this pain is, you know, and yes. it really, really was a very helpful uh, teaching that she has. That's beautiful. I re, um, last year I had of um, I developed a back injury also, and I, it, I I was driving, and I think I I you know I drive for my profession back then, and I think somehow just being in the wrong position. But when I really retraced it back, it was traced back to trauma. Right? I had a really bad incident with a family member that meant a lot to me right so we had this negative interchange where they wrote this really bad letter to me and I love this person I actually I don't know what made me read the letter right there's the worst thing I could have it was just written so well to just destroy a person so I read it and I was so angry and I had nowhere to put the emotions so that leads me to when we deal when we deal with unprocessed emotions, how that affects us in our body, how that affects our stress, our bodies, our mood, right? And that led to, I think, the back disease because I forgot which doctor said it, but it'll come back to me. But I know the body keeps the score, right? If you don't process these emotions and the trauma, if you don't deal with it, if you don't confront it, it tends to lead to trauma within the body, within the brain, at least a depression, anxiety, and more worry and more fear. So can you talk to us about how a trauma in any way and how tra- mental, mental health aspects of worrying and your experience and addiction overall and how, wor- how th- your tools can help with that? 
Yeah, the, um, the, the whole, I mean, there's the physical trauma, but there's the emotional trauma. That's yes. what we're talking about. Yes. And when I mentioned the layers, you know, of like my fourth and fifth and sixth and seventh steps where I was doing the house cleaning of the old emotions and everything. Yes. I was afraid to start those steps because, and even therapy I was afraid of because I thought everything would come gushing out at once. Yes. And I knew there was a lot of pain down in there. And it, one message I always like to share is that it doesn't come out at once. <laughs> okay. Uh, because my first layer that came out was the alcoholism and, you know, self-esteem, then the family of the child of the alcoholic and all those mm -hmm. characteristics. But there was another layer that I had no idea about. And... That was a, a sexual touching that had happened in my childhood. Mm. And it was, um, I went, I didn't even know, but I was talking with my sponsor and I said, oh, I saw this thing about date rape and I'm so glad it didn't happen to me. And then I felt my stomach just go like an elevator drop. Yes. But it was five years into recovery. Wow. So by then my higher power who, you know, in the third step, I think regulates the speed of how quickly the pain emerges to be dealt with. Okay. Yes. Out of uh, mercy. That's like a form of mercy, right? Yes, it is. Yes. And, and so I, you know, of course, when something arises, we always think we're not capable, but it, God's like a great trainer who says, yeah, you're strong enough to heal this part now. Oh man. Wow. I love that. Yeah. So thank God I was in recovery, you know, but I certainly had good reasons to drink you know, yes. and to be promiscuous and so on. So that chapter in the book is, was the hardest one to write, uh, the layers and then getting down to that one and how, you know, what I did uh, with my therapist and other people to heal it. Um, it was, that was the chapter where I sought out help from an energy medicine person. Wow. Because I kept saying, you know, even though people might read this book and think that I'm neurotic and it'll feel horrible like my father criticizing me, I mm. love and accept and, you know, mm, cherish yes. myself. And, 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 I, and I actually had to go to um, a person to help me with some of the guided yes. energy work and it really helped. Yes. And I want to sit with that just a bit because you talk about having a uh, spiritual support. You talk about having a spiritual advisor. And for me, you know, I had, I'm lucky. One of my brothers is a priest. All right. And so I could always go to him. Um, I had to do a lot of the work on my own, but when things got difficult, I had support there. Again, my younger brother was into the meditation. A lot of people out there feel like especially when they're in their addictions, they feel like they, they're going through this on their own. They have to deal with this on their own. They don't necessarily have an outlet. Can you just tell explain to us why it's important to seek spiritual mentorship and, you know, mm -hmm. why you advise that? Because I'm totally for it. I, I urge everyone, if you're out there and you're struggling, don't be afraid to ask for help, mm -hmm. one. And don't be afraid to seek wise counsel. Go to the church, maybe. Go seek out a shaman mm -hmm. or something like that. So can you talk to us a little bit about that sure um that's one of the things that i make clear right at the very beginning that this is not a go it alone yes. project that um and becoming a healthy high functioning person who's fulfilling the dreams that you've had for your life the whole time cannot happen alone 
Yes. And it cannot happen if we're using substances or sex or shopping or food to stay out of touch with ourselves. Mm-hmm. So it, it really requires that level of honesty and support. So the, for me, because I, my therapist who helped me diagnose my alcoholism suggested I go to AA because in 1986, when I got sober, and by the grace of God, haven't had a drink since, yeah, and, <laughs> and I met my fourth husband a year yeah. after sober, and we've been happily married for 31 years. Uh, there we go. <laughs> but, you know, the infrastructure of AA and the whole um, culture is built around loving other people in the most genuine way possible. It's, it's even hard to believe when you first go, you think, oh, these people couldn't be sincere. But something, it is maybe mercy, grace, whatever happens when we walk into that first meeting and we're gonna feel uncomfortable as hell, but quite often somebody comes up to us afterwards, talks to us. If we go back to that same meeting, some people greet us. Yes. We go back again and some people know us and we start feeling like there are some people who like us and they get us and yes. we don't have to pretend. And, and then it's like you start, it's like little coincidences, but it isn't where you meet just the right people. Like those people that, that couple that took me to the unity church, you know, yes. I mean, I believe God made that happen. Absolutely. So just the right people to guide my spiritual journey, plus obviously doing the steps with my sponsor. I mean, the steps is, are the best way to get in touch with the higher power and yes. learn how to let the higher power take care of us. Absolutely. Uh, so, yeah, you need a mentor. You can't do it alone. Yes. And I love it how you talk about the steps and AA. There's a lot of people in the podcast who don't, who haven't been, are not familiar with Alcoholic Anonymous and stuff like that. Um, In my case, I was lucky because I took an all-in approach also. First thing I had to do, I had to go to detox. Uh, for, I had to, first thing, I had to get on my knees in the middle of that street and get my life back to God, mm-hmm. right? And then follow the wise instruction from God within. And like you said, that pain I was ready for at that time. I was ready to deal with it all, everything. That was the critical point of transformation. Then I went to detox. Then I went to rehab for a year. And while in rehab, I went to AA. That's the first time when I realized, wait a minute, I'm not alone, Right. <laughs> It's not just me. I'm not just, I was as many of us born with the disease and the allergy and the brain disease of addiction and, and drugs and alcohol. And that's why it was helpful. And I think because I took an all in approach after that year, I didn't really have to go back anymore. I was able to take those steps and take it into life, right? And mm-hmm. build a high quality of life. Nice. So that brings me to my next point. You talk about stage one is getting sober, but we don't stop there, right? stage two is the quality of life, right? Can you talk about life after sobriety, right? It doesn't stop there. Having a quality of life. The point of this podcast, just so you know, and to put it out there is to let people know why sober is dope is because after it, your life gets better. It gets more exciting. You can live this happiness. We don't encourage people to walk around miserable and have recovery. Oh, one day at a time, that old, you know, I'm humdrum and thrudging through the pain. No, we embrace it. It's this transcendent 
in. So talk about step two, quality of life, releasing the worry mm-hmm. and, re- and taking it to the next level. Yeah, that stage two recovery. It's like, yeah. you know, stage one is I got to save my life. Yes. Stage two is let's have a good life. Okay. So in that sense, I think a lot of um, the character defects that they talk about or the, you know, perfectionism and all those other ways that we self-sabotage, yes. that is the stuff that starts getting healed during that stage two yes. because I couldn't have written a book if I didn't have a trust, it was the scariest thing I ever did, a trust that somehow um, I was tapped on the shoulder and it was supposed to happen. So yeah. my higher power had me running up the stairs every day to, to type, you know, to write the book. But the title is Reject Negative Thinking to Find Peace of Mind. Mm. Because if we have peace of mind and can find, you know, use techniques to build a peaceful state, then the decisions, which in my sense come from my higher self, yeah. my higher power, my God in, in me, those decisions coming from a calm place are the right and perfect decisions for the situation, yes. even if they don't immediately look like it. Yes. And the other, I said, find peace, clarity, because so many people say, what am I here for? What am I supposed to do? Well, you follow this spiritual path and let God guide your life and become willing to let go of the old patterns, you know, see a therapist, do whatever it takes. Um, But you get clarity, you get intuitive nudges and wisdom that leads you in directions beyond your wildest dreams, you know? Yes. yes, yes. And then the other thing is um, to find peace, clarity and connection Mm -hmm. because we form connections with just the right people. Yes. And we look back and we say, oh, that was such a random meeting, but what a perfect buddy this person has been to me for this long. Yes. And I've grown with them and they've grown with me. And of course, you know, you hear about sponsors in AA and it's, it's a, just a way of structuring a mentorship mm. that around staying sober and using the 12 steps to stay sober. But your life gets amazingly wonderful because it isn't that bullshit surface stuff that we're the chatting at the bar yes where it's this deep and nobody's really i mean you think you got on this because you bled your heart out on yeah. whatever happened but it it was yeah. it was fake it, it was, was all fake. pretending yes and there is nothing more um what revitalizing and inspiring than connecting at the heart level with somebody mm-hmm. Mm, who's being extremely honest and you're being honest with them it's the biggest gift i've been given in 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 uh sobriety i have to say the connections i have a try you know i have three or four different groups of women that are if something scary happened and i don't have children because i couldn't stay married long enough yes so you know if something horrible happened in my life i feel very confident that i have several women who would show up for me and I would not go through that horrible thing alone. Wow. And that to me is a source of security. That's amazing. So quality of life, finding connectivity, finding your tribe, 
you being within unleashing the God within. So this theme, you said it a hundred times and that's the biggest jewel, right? You never Mm -hmm. talked about God being something that you look for outside of yourself. You talked about a resurrection from within Mm -hmm. because yes, we do have spirits and God is within us. I love that. Uh, My friend, uh, Martin John Garcia um, from the recover yourself podcast. We, Uh that we, we both definitely connected there when he first was telling me about God and I was telling him in my recovery, I was seeking Godhead. And when I found Godhead, it was within me, my ability to step up, my ability to be humble and connect and grow that. So doc, I'm so excited. What what you're doing now, we have a bunch of tools talking about therapy, right? We're talking about meditation. We're talking about finding your tribe, building your life, dealing with your worry, your anxiety, and pain. So what I want to talk about now and the the, ne- the negative thoughts, the, the, the negative mind chatter, right? So when we got to get real here because we know that there's millions of people that's going to wake up today. They may not have all the resources. This is going to be a brand new experience. They're using alcohol and drugs to cope. They're going through them in an abusive relationship. They grew up in a negative environment and life is just falling apart for them. Every day, their brain is telling them, you're nothing. You're not going to make it. You can't do this. Come on. No dreams. Why even go for it? Now, we know this goes right back to the amygdala, right? Our mm-hmm. brain is hardwired to assess threats so we could have some ability to defend ourselves. So the brain does a really good job at talking you out of opportunity, right? Mm-hmm. Talking you out of your blessing sometimes because your brain just wants you to sit in your proverbial cave and be very well protected. But what happens mm-hmm. is it starts to tear us down because we can't tear it up. So what we tell people... What I did in my life is I started using the meditation, the positive affirmations, right? And not just that, I really started to write things down. Like I will write down a negative thought and say, like, I have to see it on paper. Why I can't do this? Now, what will it take to get this done, right? And all of the reasons why I think I can't. So I would challenge myself to start that. But scientifically and just on a real medical level, on a real human level, Our brains talk crap to us all day, especially in recovery. That insidious, um, Smeagol-type Lord of the Rings voice, like, the precious. It's like, you take the drink, take the drink. You you need, right? It's toxic, but we could reverse it. Your book addresses, I think that's the fundamental thing that people struggle with, that they just can't believe they're worthy. They don't believe it. They want to, but their brain does a good job. How... And in, in, in just, uh, I know this is a big one, but how do, what's your advice for that, for the average person that's just real, they waking up today, they don't know why their brain is doing this, they don't know where to start, what's, mm-hmm. where do we start? Yeah, it, it's a very empowering thought to notice what the mind is telling us, I call it whispered lies, Yes. and there's basically two kinds. There's, you know, you shouldn't, you shouldn't, and there's, they shouldn't, they shouldn't, Mm. and they should. Right. right. And, you know, we're shooting all over ourselves (laughs) and we're um, separating ourselves, which is not the will of God by judging other people as negative. So the point is that we're never going to be happy or content or peaceful until in my experience, we, we have 
a spiritual experience, or you can frame it as the, you know, the Buddha brain, the Rick uh, Dispensa, the brain pre yes. reprogramming Correct. that you get, you build the higher healthy thoughts Correct. that come in. Um, and if you're using any kind of substances, that's a no brainer. You know, it's pretty right. hard to grow anywhere positive if you're still using. Right. So that said, then, um, my whole chapter four is about the law of attraction, how to oh, write affirmations. Yeah. Nice. I have um, a picture of my vision board that I used right here at my desk when I was writing mm. my book nice. um, and how to do, you know, and then how to frame a, an affirmation. So there's wiggle room for God's miracles in it, mm, you I know, so it's not just, I'm going to have this red Lamborghini Yes, it's, you know, or something better or what God as God wills. So that's in there. But the other, the, the, the disease of the soul mm. is uh, what A Course in Miracles would call attack, attack mm. on ourselves or attack on others mm. mentally, even if it's never physical. It, mm. The minute that we attack ourselves, which we, the, our spirit was created by God, I believe. Yes. And, uh, mm-hmm. and so we, we really can't attack a child of God. Right. I can't attack you without it. And I have this image of this, um, almost all the tools I have flow, loving, good thoughts, feelings through the channel of ourselves because it's like these rocks of resentment and crap and negative mm. are all stuck in here. Yes, yes. And when I meditate or when I use a positive affirmation, yes. I can almost feel the energy um, cleansing out and dissolving mm. those blockages to my best self. Nice. So every technique is like that. I would start if if you're feeling your life is in you know a shithole, yes. <laughs> which mine was and yours was, yes, you know, yes. <laughs> no, don't worry about it, but just do something. Correct. Um, going to a counselor or a therapist was really my first step. Okay. Um, if you think you have a problem with alcohol or might, my therapist said, have two drinks, no more, no less, every day, mm. or two tokes or whatever your mm. drug of choice is, mm. but only do those two and then see if you can stop. Mm-hmm. Now, what was puzzling for me was sometimes I would have two drinks and stop. Mm-hmm. And other times I've had two drinks, three drinks, four drinks, close the bar, pick up a stranger. Mm-hmm. And so after doing the experiment for six months, I realized that if I had one drink, I could not trust myself to take good care of myself or anybody else, that I would That's put right. people in danger of myself. So that's how I had to define my own alcoholism. That's right. It's a wonderful journey. And, and I think what you said about, um, you know, you can use these techniques, but you could, you know, they say you can't, you can't get healthy or spiritually uh, advanced by sitting on the mountaintop in the lotus position, right? Right, right. You got to be uh, on a journey with other people who are have similar goals and interests and those groups might change you yes. know but like-minded people i i thought that meetup there's an app called meetup yes there there are groups that read eckhart tolle's yes. books yes. on That's the my power friend. of now and the yep. good earth 
that would be a wonderful study group to start in if you don't want to go with, you know, if you're thinking, ooh, that religious stuff, ooh, mm -hmm. then, um, you know, find a group that studies Eckhart Tolle's works. It's very neutral language and also the same perennial truths in yes. my mind. Yes. In my mind, yeah. Yes, he's a very good person. So 32 years sober, what's the secret? What's the magic sauce? <laughs> oh, I'll, well, for me, I did use AA. So for a okay. person who's using 12-step programs, I go to meetings. All right. And even though it's been quite a while now, I still go to two or three a week. Okay. Not because I'm dying to have a drink, but because it's fellowship and affirming the power of God in our lives. Amen. Amen. Um, and, and quite often I'll have an issue that I have to bring there, you know, okay. um, having a spiritual advisor or sponsor and going through the 12 steps is a very wonderful way to do the first layer of cleansing and healing. Mm -hmm. So working the steps with a sponsor meetings, working the steps with a sponsor, uh, praying and meditating, Yes. Reading recovery literature or listening to podcasts. Okay. And then helping others. Amen. Service. There we go. That's yeah. the blueprint. Ladies and gentlemen, that's a blueprint right there. That's a <laughs> that's the recipe for success. So, Doc, before you go, can you do me one big favor? Can you tell everyone where to find your book, where to find you, how they could reach out to you, and everything that you want to say about your beautiful book? And thank you so much for that great work and for everything you contributed to the recovery community for the last 32 years. We love you, and we're so happy that you joined us today. Thank you so much. Um, the easiest thing to do is go to my website, and you'll see my name, you know, in the show notes, G-I-G-I-L-A-N-G-E-R. So my website is gglanger.com. <laughs> so right. that couldn't be simpler. That's right. On the website, I have a special deal on the paperback. I'll mail it to you free within the United States and a signed copy. I also have an audio book and I have a few tokens, free tokens left. So if someone from your podcast goes into my, uh, my website and you know how every website has a contact yes. and you click on the contact, just send me an email with your email and I'll send you the token to get the free audio book. Okay. And I'll send, I created a big workbook because I'm a former teacher. So there are exercises and yes. practice exercises in the book. So I send a workbook with it. It's also available, you know, on Amazon, of course, okay. 50 ways to worry less now. <laughs> wow, right now. That's the name of the book. <laughs> I'm also on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, you know, you can look for GG Langer and you'll find me or worry less now, you'll find me. Yeah. Thank you so much. Um, ladies and gentlemen, this has been a blessing for all of us. And Gigi, thank you so much. We love you. And you're listening to the Sober is Dope podcast. I'm your host, Pop Buchanan. And that's a wrap in our amazing episode with Gigi Langer. God bless you all, and I'll catch you on the other side. Take care.